He's got a touchdown to his arm. The drop back with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns Peak, Joe Costanzo, and Sam Wilson. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dropback Podcast. I'm joined by only the one, the one and only, Matthew Pence Peak this week. How's it doing, Joe? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, man. I'm good. Very good. You uh, you riveting off this second week of, of preseason? Yeah, preseason is, uh, I mean, I've said it once, I've said it a million times, preseason is my favourite part of the NFL season. I love how much the games matter. I love, uh, no, I mean, it's been fine. It's been good. It's been, it's, it has been refreshing to see some sort of roster bubble dudes have big games, to be fair. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm counting down till the real action starts. Yeah. Uh, speaking of roster bubble dudes who are having big games, let's get right into it and uh, highlight some preseason week two standouts. Sports. Uh, have you got any in mind that you particularly want to throw around? I do have a couple. Um, I'm going to start off. I'm going to start off at receiver. Ooh. I'm going to start off at receiver, and I'm going to go with Chicago Bears. Is it Rodney Adams? Oh yeah, he had himself had himself a big old game. Um, pretty cool dudes. You know, he he actually his uh, his daughter was born the uh, day before the game. Slept at the hospital, and then madness. Yeah. Went to the game, padded up and fucking put on a show. Capped off by a 70-yard uh, big old touchdown where he straight up mossed a bloke and made him look like a child and uh, ran it in for a score. So I, th- I thought that was pretty impressive. He looked pretty good. Um, yeah, Chicago's in-, in general is a bit of a weird one with the, the QB situation, but they- they'll do what they want to do. I wonder what where he kind of sits on the depth chart at the moment. Yeah, because he's not a tight end, so he doesn't naturally fit into that Bears locker room at, like you'd hope. Yeah, he's maybe sixth receiver on that depth chart at the moment. Ooh. Hey, things can happen, man. Things can happen. Maybe if he did shift the tight end, they'd keep him around, though. I'm still waiting for the, for the Bears to roll out this fucking full tight end set. Yeah. Wow. That would be a joke. For like, imagine for like, a, for like a goal line set and you just bring out fucking 11 tight ends. Yeah, and get completely madness. stuffed down the middle by yeah, a, you, it, a massive it, it, bloke. Basically basically be a long snap but true 10 yards 10 yard drop back 10 yard drop back um hey. I, i've got one you're gonna yeah. like it mm-hmm. sam Egwavon, oh linebacker yeah. from the dolphins he actually the missed boy. so he missed a few pra- uh practice games uh no practices beforehand yeah. uh which i think in a lot of cases would get people uh sent or just completely cut from the team, whether it's that your fault or not. But 28 years old, came in, and he had seven tackles, four sacks, and a safety in this game. Absolutely bull- oh, he was a beast. So he was, he was one who... Um, so he has a CFL background. Yeah. He spent some time with Dolphins last season as well. Was always sort of one of those players where it's like, oh, he could be quite cool. Like, obviously, when we first signed him, everyone was like, oh, we found the next Cam Wake, which was a little bit ridiculous and a lot to put on a new player. Um, quite a lazy sort of comparison in many ways. But yeah, yeah, it's nice to see him ball out. And like, I mean, he will definitely face sterner tests and the second string Atlanta O-line, but he made them look pretty stupid. Yeah, it's, it's hard to judge with the um, 
the Atlanta game. I, I was watching that, the, well, the highlights, evidently, of the Dolphins Atlanta game. And it's just like, Tua looks good. And, you know, Reset looks really good. But then again, it's against the preseason Atlanta defense. And, yeah. I mean, Brian Flores has been pretty vocal about, you know, playing starters up until pretty much like the second quarter. So, mm. yeah, it's it's weird. I, I I got like quite excited at one point thinking like, oh, you know what? Maybe I've just been chatting a lot of shit about Tua and maybe he's... Uh, maybe you have. <laughs> maybe I have, but we'll have to see when it actually gets into the season in games, man. Yeah. I mean, like, that's the thing with preseason as well is, like, people can show up and look really good, but then you've, like, you've straight away got a question, like, what are they up against? Like, you could put in your starting your starting quarterback against, in, like, the fourth quarter of a preseason game against third-string secondary, and he's going to look fucking sick, but it doesn't tell you anything about his ability on, on proper Saturdays, proper Sunday games, sorry. So, um, and the Dolphins is a weird one as well because they've got a lot of position groups that are very in limbo in terms of who's starting and who's not like the O-line, for example, keeping a tab on that throughout training camp has been almost every position on that O-line has been a bit of a revolving door in terms of who's, who's starting in that position changes a couple of times a week at, at, at some points. So from that perspective, like Miami is still very much trying to figure out who their starting team's going to be for week one. And that's why we've ended up playing a lot of starters throughout like the first half of preseason games which is I didn't love it I'll be honest I didn't love it when Jalen Waddle went down and mm. it was like this is really unnecessary all our other receivers are injured as well like Brian Flores said you won't play man. scared yeah that is true might, might not play at all if we don't have <laughs> enough players but we won't play scared have you got any other any other particular ones in mind um I don't know. I mean, like, I, I did enjoy watching Mitch Trubisky come back to the Bears. I was thinking Mitch, um, yeah. And just fucking, like, two fingers up to you, Matt Nagy, you bastards. Look what I can do with, in an offense that fucking is semi-functionable and has weapons and, you know, isn't just composed entirely of tight ends. <laughs> so that, that was a fun little, a fun little storyline um, at a time of year which is usually very devoid of storylines. Yeah. Do you put any weight on the um just a glance over Mitch Trubisky had a had a great game, I think. But um do you put any weight on Matt Nagy when he's saying uh that Andy Dalton is definitely I mean he keeps saying Andy Dalton's definitely the week one starter. The guy. Yeah. But I feel like well, there's a difference between saying week one starter and like start of the yeah, season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, That's very true. So I mean, yeah, the the thing is like they really bat themselves into a hole with this one, uh, Chicago. And I don't, I have sympathy for them in a way because I generally don't think they thought they'd have the opportunity to get Justin Fields yeah. when they did. Um, and using the sort of best player available rationale for drafting, like if the guy is there, then you've got to take him. Um, oh, they traded up to get they, him as well. That is true. Yeah, they, they were aggressive in getting him as well. But I mean, they gave Van Dalton a bunch of money and a bunch of promises, more importantly, about what his role would be when they signed him. And then they've now got this, this Justin Fields-shaped problem who is, you know, hammering down the door to get the starting job. The fans for the Bears are, you know, very, very unified and very vocal in the fact that they want Justin Fields to be the guy. 
so much so that Fields has had to come out and basically say, can you stop shining my name yeah. when Dalton's trying to play? Um, I did think it was uh, it was really funny in the, I think it was week one in the, they were playing the Bills. They were, they were like 28 to nothing down at the start of the second quarter and, and Andy Dalton comes out and everyone's just like booing him. And then he, he throws like a touchdown pass on his first pass of the, uh, of the drive. Yeah. It's one of those things. I, I honestly think it's a situation where they're playing the Rams week one and yeah, Andy Dalton's the week one starter, but he'll the week, the week one sacrifice more likely yeah. in that case. If it's like, I don't want my shiny new, Shiny new rookie to be beaten you'd up by Aaron Donald. You'd rather, yeah, Justin Fields play the Bengals than the Rams in this first game. That is true. Yeah, so it's a much nicer introduction to the league. I mean, people have their opinions on whether that is the approach you should take with rookies. And if you're going to make someone the starter, then they need to be the starter no matter who you're playing against, right? But, yeah, I mean, I don't hate it. I think Matt Nagy has a lot to lose this season. I think he's almost keeping... Fields in his back pocket as you know when things get ugly it's an easy win for the fans to be like hey I'm playing Fields he's the new guy look yeah. we can all be excited about the Bears again don't look at the scoreboard but yeah true this guy's in yeah I, I just think in my head I'm just like you you're literally like your job's basically on the line like you oh, should yeah. kind of I, I get this that every time a new rookie QB comes in there's always this like hesitancy to play them but I, I just think you've got to commit to it in a way cool shall we move on to the AFC West predictions we've got two we've got the West left West is best yes. and let's kick off alphabetical order so the Denver Broncos the Denver Broncos um, I mean what is there to say about the Denver Broncos True. offensively their player the, the the skill positions on offense look good and then you get to the quarterback and the o-line and you're sort of quite quite concerned if i'm a if i'm a, a broncos fan unfortunately it's weird i mean last year i was pretty high on drew lock from the little we saw of him and now mm. with the whole season behind him i mean like you said like they've got some amazing weapons Cortland sutton is quietly one of the better receivers in in the nfl jerry judy has a lot of talent. We can see that KJ Hamler as well, and Noah Font at tight end. But yeah, yeah, I think this is kind of a. It's how you get in the ball that's the problem. Up or shut up here for for Drew Lock in a way. Yeah, I feel a bit sorry for Drew Lock because he's got a really fucking flirtatious arm, and that's why a lot of us were like, you know, this guy could this guy's got a good arm, arm. maybe. <laughs> yeah, like do you know what I mean? He's literally got that arm where it's like, oh, he can fucking throw it, throw it really hard and far he's going to be a good quarterback. And then when you actually look at it, it's like, yeah, he's thrown him miles, but it's not, it's not the same postcode as a receiver. So it's just, a, it's just a tease. Of, this is what you're saying. Literally. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a touch. He's got a touchdown tease arm. Um, and a lot of weapons <laughs> that could, could score touchdowns, but it's just getting them the damn ball. Um, yeah. He really hasn't I, been helped with the O-line though. I mean, that's true. A bunch of guys that, most people probably wouldn't. Lloyd Cushenbury, he's okay at centre. Mm. Um, yeah, Cushenbury's good. I mean, Garrett Bowles at left tackle is probably the other standout, I would say. Dalton Risner at left guard. Graham Glasgow at right guard. Bobby Massey at right tackle. It's... They, yeah, they could have really done without the Jean James fiasco. Yeah. Like, badly. 
not even just from the PR point of view of the Broncos coming across as dickheads, but um, like they, that, that, that line James could have really... Been, yeah, would have been a significant upgrade. Hell yeah. It leaves it in a difficult place with the Broncos as to what to expect, especially when you look at the other teams in this division that we're going to get into in a bit more detail. Like, feels weird to say it, but if you take the whole sum of the 11 players in the field, I think the Broncos' offense is the worst in the division, which seems harsh when you think of the individual players like Judy and Sutton and Fan that they have. But you have to you have to think of it as a unit, and as a unit, that unit is not as good, I think, as the other three yeah, that you can see out there. I see what you mean. Like when it comes down to particularly the offensive line, mm. it's a bit of a weird, like like we said, it's kind of a do or die die year for Drew Locke. But at the same time, he needs you know, a few precious seconds to actually throw the goddamn ball. So, yeah. However, I do. F- yeah. I feel a bit like Drew Locke's set up to fail in that respect. Like yeah, yeah, there's so much excitement around what that offense could be, but it's just missing the most fund- fundamental part of, of, of what it needs to work. Like we've been down this path before with the Browns that year where everyone was like, the Browns going to be sick. Look at the weapons they have. And then they couldn't get the ball out because Every time Baker Mayfield took a snap, there was something in his face. Yeah, but that wasn't necessarily Baker Mayfield. Like we've seen that Baker Mayfield with a good, well, with one of the best offensive lines in the league can mm. can be a, a very suitable quarterback for that team. I mean, it's it's also a weird one as well if you're going down that route of like maybe having to choose a QB in the draft next year because I think their defense is going to win them enough games to not be in a position to be able to draft a fantastic franchise quarterback early in the draft as well. Yeah, they're almost too, like, their team's too rounded to not suck enough that they can get what they need to to turn the franchise around and in the right direction. Like, their, their secondary is quite good. Like, they've, they've always had good stability up yep. front and, and at linebacker. It's just a good unit. I forgot they have Carl Fuller now. In the secondary, yeah, Pat Sertain. Yeah, they the boy. Pat Sertain looked amazing in his first in his first preseason game. I honestly mm. didn't watch his second preseason game, so I wouldn't know. But uh, Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons, Justin Simmons, one of the best, the better. Justin Simmons, good player. Yeah, safeties in the lead. Ronald Darby, Bryce Callahan, also at corner. I was going to say I probably owe Justin Simmons a bit for an apology because I remember this time last year we were talking about him getting paid. And I was like, oh, what's Justin Simmons done? And then he was just continuously like very, I mean, very at good. At the time, he was also one of the, but he was just quietly yeah, it was, one it of wasn't the best safeties. It wasn't a great take when I said it, to be honest, but it has not aged well. So hands in the air, a goof. I think it's aged better than, um, you know, Josh Rosen will throw for more touchdown passes than Lamar Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> that was an ambitious one. Yeah, he won that MVP. <laughs> I, re- I really leaned all my ego into that one. Yeah. Did not come off. Uh, but obviously, you've also got uh, Von Miller coming back, uh, Bradley mm. Chubb on the other side. Maybe yeah, the, the interior linebackers. I mean, Alexander Johnson, Josie Jewell. Generally speaking, pretty solid all around uh, on, yeah. on the defensive front, especially the secondary. They'll win enough games to not be able to get a franchise QB, as you said. I mean, whether they need it, whether Drew Locke, like you said, it's a bit of a Baker Mayfield where with a better O-line and better play calling, et cetera, he would actually be the guy. Mm. We, I mean, I think he's started to, to run out of that rope at this point. But, um, you know, that O-line and that, that 
quarterback situation is going to handicap this this already you know pretty well rounded rounded and decent roster, mm. which is a shame. So, how many wins do you think they get in the end? Floor ceiling. See, what I, are you feeling? I keep catching myself out of this because I keep forgetting that there's, there's now seventeen, 17 games. games. Um, floor, I'd say six and eleven. I think even if things go badly, I think they've got enough in that locker room um, because it is just a good roster that they could probably scrape out six wins. Might not be particularly pretty viewing. Yeah. Um, but see six wins. I think ceiling because there is that potential firepower. It's difficult, and you know you want to get a bit carried away and say that you know Jerry Judy and Colton Sutton are going to have massive years. But being realistic, maybe ten and seven. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think I'm quite similar. I would probably go a little bit lower on the floor and say maybe like oh. five and twelve. But I think ten and seven is a realistic ceiling for them. I mean, ten and seven could potentially get them into the you know wild card or something. Yeah, I mean, man, they're, they're a decent football team. Like that's why they just happen to be stuck in you know one of the hardest divisions in football. Uh, every team in this division is is a decent team. They're, I don't think there's any team in in the AFC West where it's like that is a bad football team. They're all decent, um, which is why it can, it's difficult to call and why I think it will be very close. Yeah. So uh, moving swiftly on to the next alphabetical team is the Los Angeles Chargers. Mm-hmm. What are your initial thoughts? I mean, the offense, Justin Herbert coming back for that second season. Do you think he's going to surpass what he did in the first, or how are you well, feeling? I mean, that's another bloke we should, probably should say say goofed on as well. To be honest, yeah, we, but, we um, all goofed on Justin Herbert. <laughs> I think if, 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 imagine if this is like someone's first time listening to this podcast, they're just going to think fucking morons when it comes to player appraisal, you know which isn't even that. It's not that wrong, to be honest. Everyone's wrong at the draft, though. Let's be honest. You're you're always going to be pretty high on some people and get it completely wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, to your point, I think that Justin Herbert is going to. I don't. I don't see him being able to surpass what he did last season. I can see him definitely replicating it and having similar success. I think that is realistic Mm. for him because I, I think we've seen the flashes there that he can be a very, very, very good quarterback in this league. I think the limitation is, yeah. I, I think you know, Keenan Allen's a, a fantastic receiver, but he's not that like big body, ex prototypical sort of X star receiver. I don't, I don't really feel they have that at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, the charges you can never. I feel like you've you've always got a sort of asterisk anything you say about the charges at this point in the year because there's still so much time for half their team to die from Although that was, uh, yeah. Uh, the 49ers had a bad bad go to it last year they did, yes, they did as well historically yeah. it has always been the Chargers yeah I mean again I think that that offense in in, in total is pretty good it's, it's better than than the Broncos I think the O-line's better than the Broncos O-line I think skill position they're in a similar place to the to the Broncos and obviously quarterback Justin Herbert is streaks ahead of Drew Locke yeah yeah, I think part of what made Justin Herbert like have such a great performance last season is that he was in a lot of close games and he had yeah. to throw the ball a lot like later on in the game, you know, in situations mm. where, you know, if they were I mean, maybe this year if, if they're in if they're ahead a few scores, they can actually lean on lean on uh, Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson a little bit more. Um Yeah. 
And I think that's a good point as well, especially when it comes to um, like evaluating QB performance as so much of it is opportunity and so much of it is game situation, right? Like if you're a QB on a team, like take Dak Prescott, for example, last season before he got injured was throwing a ludicrous amount of yards and touchdowns and putting up points. And that was really, really impressive. But people, you know, people questioning like, oh, he's better than, you know, he's had, he's playing better than Mahomes, he's playing better than this quarterback. And you, you, you've got to put it in the context of the game situation. Yeah. Like if your defense is literally fucking terrible and if you don't put a touchdown on the board every single drive, you're not going to have a chance of being in the game. And even if you do, you don't have a chance of being in the game. Like you're going to throw it more. You're going to invariably have more opportunity. You still have to deliver 100%. Um, but I think a similar thing might happen with Justin Herbert in that I think because the charges are going to be better this year, especially defensively, I think they'll be a bit better this year. He may not be in those as many situations where he needs to throw it as much, which is why I think he'll struggle to, to exceed what he did last season through the air. Yeah. I think just to, to cap off the uh, the depth chart talk we've got, so obviously we've got Justin Herbert in at QB, Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson at running back, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Josh Palmer, uh, Tyron Johnson at wide receiver, Jared Cook at tight end. And then I think their offensive line is uh, significantly sh- stronger uh, with Rashawn Slater there at left tackle now. Uh, yeah, Matt Matt Feeler at left guard. Corey Lindsley is one of the one of the better centers in Very the league. Ode Abushi, probably mispronouncing that at right guard, and Brian Bulaga at right tackle, who is also I mean, Brian Bulaga is you know Brian Bulaga's Brian Bulaga. Like that is a great great addition. He's just solid. Oh, um, one one person I really I really hope. You know, he has no injury concerns this year. Is just Derwin James. I want to see him for like a whole yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, for God's sake, man. Like, how, what an exciting player, what a talented player that we've barely got to see. Like, it's one of those where every time you see him play, you're like, he's fucking good. And then you can't see him again for the 10 weeks because he's, he's had terrible injury luck. Um, Pretty much. Yeah. And I think I think that goes into a big, that that is a big factor in how this Chargers defense goes. Like, if they can keep you know, James healthy and playing, that's going to have such a tangible impact on, on the, how they're doing games and, you know, being in positions where they can control games because they've, they've got the uh, secondary to rely on. Um, that's not, that's not going to reflect nicely on for Justin Herbert's stats, but I don't think he's going to care if it means more wins. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing with Don James is you can basically throw him anywhere you want. And yeah. he, he'll line up and, and play that role. On the other side of the safety room, we've got Nasir Adderley and mm-hmm. the corners, Chris Harris Jr., Asante Samuel, who I totally forgot they drafted. Um, he looked good as well. Yeah, he in the nickel. good last game. Yeah, he'll, so he'll be filling in that nickel slot and uh, Michael yeah. Davis on the other side of Chris Harris Jr. So, I mean, all around a pretty solid uh, secondary, I would say. Yeah, not bad at all. And then obviously up front, you've got the big boast boy who's going to, again, keep him healthy and he's going to just ruin games. Yeah. I can't remember the last season he was fully healthy though. Yeah, <laughs> that is very true. Yeah. I mean, Limbaugh Joseph as well knows pretty, pretty solid. I think pretty that, that you know, in terms of comparing it to when they had um, Melvin Ingram, on the other side of Joey Bosa, I think, you know, they've taken 
taking a bit of a step back from those sort of like really formidable D-line days, but they're still True. they're still a formidable defense, especially that secondary. Um, yeah. It's so set up as well for if Bosa can stay healthy, him just being the out and out guy for that for that front seven as well. Like like you said, when they had Melvin Ingram as well, it was, you know, it was, you know, that you had that one-two punch, it was less all on Bosa, and you could they could sort of survive a little bit when he was injured. Mm. But they don't have that luxury now. They need Derwin James to stay healthy. They need Joey Bosa to stay healthy. I think they also need Keenan Allen and Mike Williams to stay healthy because behind them, the depth of wide receiver, as you said, it's not that deep group. Um, so, yeah. Basically, I mean, if everyone could just stay healthy, please, that, that'd be great. That'd be fucking perfect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, I think they are quite uniquely poised, the Chargers, in that they're both one of the teams that we've seen struggle with injuries the most. And they're also one of the rosters that could be massively impacted by one or two injuries outside the quarterback room as well. Um, a couple of players on either side of the ball go down in key positions. I think the Chargers season changes dramatically. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and it seems to happen quite often. Yeah, hoping it doesn't. So what? how are you feeling about floor, ceiling? Let's assume we can't predict injuries. So Exactly. With with the current roster, as we kind of went through just then, how how are you feeling? So I think I think it's a better it, like it's a better overall team than the Broncos. If you I think if you go through with the offense and defense on both of those teams, like I'd pick the Chargers over the Broncos probably for both of them. Mm. Um, it would be a lot tighter on defense, I yeah. think. But um, so I'm going to say a, a flaw of I'm kind of, I'm leaning towards eight and nine. Eight and nine as a floor. Is that the new eight and eight, or is it nine and eight? Is the new eight 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 eight. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I, I don't, I don't see this team getting less than eight wins. I think if they do, then someone's getting fired. Um, quite frankly, because yeah, there's enough on that roster to to be in there thereabouts. Um, I think as a ceiling, I think you know something like a twelve and a twelve and five isn't without with outside the realms of possibility if they like said. Everyone stays healthy. They get that group clicking, and and Justin Herbert can repeat what he was able to do last season in a situation where he doesn't need to, you know, claw them back into games. Yeah. I think yeah, it's a good roster. It could definitely go sort of twelve and five. Yeah, I, I think for me, I'm going to probably go with a floor of maybe seven and ten, just. <laughs> Just I feel like they could lose a few of those close games, a bit like last last season. But on on the other side, I would probably go with a ceiling of, you know, given they have to play the Chiefs twice a year. Yeah, I, I could see 12 and 5 if everything goes great and yeah. and everyone is healthy. But we, we shall see. So moving over to the division winners the perennial division winners at this point. Yeah. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, yeah. I mean, So why are they going to win the Super Bowl? <laughs> I mean, it, it basically is that conversation, right? Like, I don't think you could speak to even the most diehard, you know, Raider Charger or Broncos fan who's going to be like, we're going to win the division this year. Like, yeah. yeah. Unless... It's a minimal evaporates. Minimal changes from last year, except on that offensive line where they've obviously there brought are only in good changes as well. That's the thing. Exactly, Orlando Brown, uh, 
obviously traded from the Ravens, sadly, to play his natural position of left tackle and chase the bag. Uh, <laughs> it's annoying because he's so freaking good. <laughs> yeah, he's um, well good. Yeah, uh, Joe Thune as well at left guard. Also, we, I believe Duvernay Tardif is coming back he's at back. right guard. He, yeah, he took the he opted out last season, didn't he, with COVID? Um, he's a fucking hero, um, mate. Fair, fair enough, absolutely fair enough. And then yeah, back and he's a when 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 he's playing, he's a fucking good player as well. They basically on the O line did everything that the Bengals should have done this offseason. Yeah. Um, yeah. And had the money to do. And had the money to do, exactly. So I mean, sorry, sorry if any Bengals fans are listening to this and, and feeling the shot, but we did sort of say throughout the offseason, like Bengals, there's a lot of O line people you could try and get. And they were like, no. Um yeah, it's it's yeah, as if I mean, the Chiefs basically saw what happened in that Super Bowl and they've turned around and fixed the problem immediately. They just yeah, they just went not again. Yeah, I, I don't even know if it's really worth going through the rest of the roster because at this point it's pretty obvious who the the mainstays uh, of this the team. The thing is, everyone knows them, right? Like yeah. everyone knows the weapons they have: wide receiver. Everyone knows Kelsey. Everyone knows you know Tyron it's Matthew. Like, Kelsey, actually. Kels, <laughs> the beard, the beardless Kels. Um, like again, th- this is the pinnacle. This, this, and the and the Buccaneers. I don't think. I think it would. You'd get very, very, you know, certain that it's going to be those two in the Super Bowl this year. Like, barring something ridiculous from either side, or an, a different team coming out of nowhere. Like those two teams are just the best. The best two rosters in the NFL. There's no other way to really sugarcoat it or, or skirt around the issue they they just are yeah and they've kept all their like both teams have basically kept all their key players as well mm. they haven't really lost that many people I forgot to mention Carl Long is also on the team but he's currently injured uh, uh, on the offensive line but I mean yeah I I think they're probably gonna <laughs> I mean the floor for the Chiefs is just gonna be like, may I would be surprised if they got less than eleven wins. To be honest, yeah, I was I was just weighing up in my head as well. Like, I kind of want to say twelve and five is a flaw, but that sounds ridiculous to try and say out loud. To be honest, but like, I generally don't really see a world where they don't get at least twelve wins. Yeah, I mean, they they I think they've got a few tough games, but they've got obviously the Ravens in week two. Got to worry about that. Yeah, which that would be a tough game. But they're, they they're, they're one of those teams. Though. Yeah. And they're one of those two or three teams in the NFL who, like, if they turn up on game day and they just click, it doesn't matter what you do, they'll win. Like, it doesn't, it generally does, it takes it out of the opponent's hands. If the, if the Chiefs turn up on game day with the right players, yeah. with the right mindset and the right play calling. There's basically like, nothing you can do. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are. They're, they're going to beat you and they have that capability. Yeah. Um, are the only teams I could see them losing to potentially are uh, the Browns, the Ravens, the Bills, the Packers, and that's maybe the Steelers that I push. So, I, mean, I mean, that's the thing though. Like, I still have them as favorites in every, in every one of those games. Exactly. I, I have them as like those are the most likely teams that could maybe cause an upset against against the Chiefs, but. 
there's no team who I don't fancy the Chiefs to be. Yeah. Even the Buccaneers, I still like I still think playing the Buccaneers again, that I think that's a game that could go either way. Like I don't think that's a oh they lost them in the Super Bowl, they'd lose them again. Like I generally think if you played that game ten times, it would probably be five wins each, sort of thing. Yeah, I think it it's a lot different in the playoffs as well. That 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 yeah. game with Tom Brady and you know the way the Bucks sort of heated up through the season. And also just thinking about the improvements the Chiefs have made, right, on the O-line. That was the big issue. They fixed that, like, completely changes that dynamic. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, 11 and 6 as a floor. I, I'm going to say the ceiling is 17 and 0. <laughs> yeah. I yeah mean, to be honest, like, I'm thinking about it. To... And, I mean, it, it could happen. I, I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but I... Like you said, any any week to week matchup they're put against at at the moment, I see them as the favourite. So yeah, to me it seems. I mean, I, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go with you right there as well, Joe. Then I'm going to say like if we're if we're saying with this exercise, you know, this is best case scenario, everything you know, clicks, no injuries, that sort of thing. Like they are one of the two teams in the NFL that fully has the capacity of going 17 and 0. They're just beating everyone they play. Like. Like I said, I'd have them as a favourite for every game this season. Yeah. By that logic, I kind of have to say they could win every game this season. Agreed. All right. Well, that was a nice, easy one. Uh, I don't didn't think we really had to spend that much time on the yeah, Chiefs, yeah. but Boom. let's move over to Rudin's Las Vegas Raiders. I had to double check myself to say Las Vegas again. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, feels yeah. weird still it does feels feels bad man feels bad it's kind of and it's kind of in keeping with what is one of the weirdest teams in the NFL I think just in terms of like the personnel they have like the way that they've built that team like the Raiders have just been strange for the last couple of years man like mm. they're a good team but <laughs> a lot of logic dictates that they kind of shouldn't be with some of the decisions that they've made personnel wise like, I mean, where do you want to get started with this one? I'll probably get started at the, at the QB room, Derek Carr. Mm. It's a weird situation there, isn't it? I think um, yeah. we always hear these like conflicting reports of like the Raiders want to get rid of Derek Carr coming into the off season um, or just before the draft or like the Raiders it's are looking at... not Gruden's on... guy, yeah. Yeah, it's... but in, in like last season, we were looking at Derek Carr as one of the... He had a bunch of really great performances. I mean, we yeah. had him like, I think mid season, we were talking about him being in the upper echelon of, of QBs in the league. Like, yeah. I think I rated him like seventh or, or something uh, oh. in, in, in the famous uh, Joe Costanzo list. The, the famous <laughs> Joe Costanzo QB list. Yeah. I mean, Derek Carr, like fair play going into last season, there was a lot of question marks about like, was he the kind of dude that Gruden would want as his, you know, just a nothing, franchise quarterback. Just like, that's such a nothing. It, it, it seemed yeah. really unfair to just people just speculating like, oh, he doesn't seem like he'd get on with Gruden. So let's make a big media shitstorm. By about that logic, that. just have Nathan Peterman be the start of the year because apparently he gets <laughs> on really well with John Gruden. Yeah, Gruden loves him. I mean, he can't throw a fucking football to save his life, but if Gruden likes him, then it's got He's got the guy, work right? ethic, mate. He's got the work ethic. <laughs> Knock on wood if you like that. But yeah, they're also supported by one of the best running backs in the league, Josh Jacobs. Oh, Kenyon yeah. Drake is also on this team. No way. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that, actually. That's really cool. 
Yeah, so that'd be actually that's a yeah. quite a nice one too because Josh Jacobs isn't traditionally a more receiving back, whereas Kenyon Drake is has shown that he can definitely do that. And I was just gonna say with Kenyon Drake as well, from Miami experience, when we had him, and also like I think Stan will attest to this as well with his time with the Cardinals. Kenyon Drake's a good running back. He's not a number one running back. No. Having Kenyon Drake as a one B or a receiving back and putting him in those situations, he will do you'll get good good production out of him. If you put Kenyon Drake as, you know, you're the workhorse, it's not going to work. So this is the ideal situation to use him in. Yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, he's definitely not the, he's not even going to get like a significant amount. Well, he'll, he'll get on for third downs and, and passing downs, I think, but yeah, which completely suits him. And like I said, you don't need to shoot him in. Josh Jacobs is fucking great. Like exactly. just give him the ball and let him do his thing. And then we've got the wide receiver room, Henry Ruggs, uh, Brian Edwards, Hunter Renfro, and John Brown. They're actually, they're quite oh, deep God. in the wide receiver room because they've also got Zay Jones and Willie yeah. Sneed. The thing is they've though, they're a, deep a, in... Deep in terms of like average receivers, you know. <laughs> I was going to say, they've got like, they've got a, a receiver room that's just full of like B, B players, which is fine, which is good, you know. In depth wise, that is fucking, that's not a bad tactic. I, I worry about, I, I really worry about what Gruden's going to do with Henry Ruggs because he doesn't seem to really fully understand how to use him. It's just, and yeah, it, it seems like the pick, the classic Raiders pick of pick the fast guy. Pick the fast dude, but then don't actually put him in design situations where it's like, this guy's really fast. We'll use that speed. We'll do him on end arounds. We'll do him on screens. You know, we'll find ways to utilize his pace. They haven't really schemed anything for Ruggs, which seems really strange. Yeah, I mean, um, outside of a few big plays, but a lot of them came off just like fade routes or just, you know, streaks yeah. rather than anything in particular. Um, however, you do have Darren Waller, one of the, the best tight ends in oh, the league. What a player. Great story as well. And then the, the O-line as well, I think, I mean, Colton Miller at left tackle, Proved that he He's could do it last, last season. Rich, Richie Incognito, Andre James right. at centre. Hey, when he's not bullying, he's a damn fine, damn fine player, is Richie Incognito. Denzel. Questionable character. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I also think he's he's kind of, he was okay last, I mean, he, he's old as hell now, yeah, isn't he? He's like so, 37 like, or something. We get into like, last for our territory for Richie Incognito, I think. Yeah, look at the rabbits, Richie. Look at the rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Denzel Good at right guard. And also, Alex Leatherwood, I thought, looked mm. really good in, in preseason. Out of, I saw a few, like, uh, <laughs> like pancake highlights, basically, on, on YouTube nice. of Alex Leatherwood, because that's the extent... You like that? I love the preseason. I live for it. So, I just watch preseason... <laughs> Mixtapes, season O line against D line, preseason O line highlights in my spare time. The loosest play from both sides, yeah. You've got the foundation there for, at the very least, a strong sort of running team or play action team. Um, and if they yeah. if they can utilize Henry Ruggs maybe in that play action game, and obviously Darren Waller is, is an absolute stud mm. in the red zone. So I think they 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 could do. They're not going to be anchored by their offense by any any stretch of the means um however defense not the strongest in the division not gonna lie i'm tempted to say the weakest i'm 
not even tempted. I'm just going to agree. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, I mean, Cleland Farrell, first off, I get why, I get the explanation why you picked him when you did, but like, it just, it wasn't a valuable, like he, he hasn't yeah. been an impact maker. He might be a good guy. He might be a great leader and stuff, but like for the position you picked him in, like I still, yeah. I'm struggling to see why. They picked him at, at, at a spot where you have to pick a franchise changer or someone who's going to like, I think, yeah, like I said, either change your franchise or elevate it from what it currently is. And Clean Farrell doesn't really do any of those things. Like I said, good, solid football player. No one's saying that he's, you know, a flop in terms of being an absolute bust and he's never going to make it in the league. Like I think Claire Farrell will be in the NFL for a while. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be ever going to be in that top echelon of star players. Yeah, I actually am. I'm look, I'm referencing the ESPN depth chart at the moment, and it has Cleveland Farrell, uh, Farrell above Max Crosby. But I would actually argue that Max Crosby is probably more of yeah, an impact I player. Very, I don't think that's a clear cut. He's in front of him. I think that's very much a, like that's going to move yeah, a lot. This ESPN depth chart is probably a bit whack anyway. I've been called out on it a few times, but <laughs> whack. Um, yeah, then you've got Quinton Jefferson at, at defensive tackle, Jonathan Hankins. Also, you've got decent depth there because you've got Solomon Thomas and Gerald McCoy as well. Yeah. Um, and Unique Ngakwe at right defensive end. He's, player. He's a good a player. Carl Nassib behind him as well. So it's all the, almost He's that like, it's just kind of similar. They're not like superstars, but they've got like a lot, solid. Of, lot of depth on, on the defen- yeah. defensive line at least. That D line is very, yeah, it doesn't have any very much star power, but it has got depth with every, everyone on it is solid, basically, is, is what I'd say. Like, if, yeah. if somebody goes down, they're not, you're not going to lose production, but I'd say the base level of production isn't going to be super high. It also means you can, you can switch uh, on a, you know, and a lot of different like formations and stuff. You can, you know, have a lot of uh, rotation in that defensive line, which is something mm-hmm. the Ravens love to do. So I would love to see it happen more. Um, <laughs> they used to do it more yeah I'm not too sure about the linebackers to be honest no neither um, Corey Littleton uh, Will hey not bad Tanner Moose Sam Nick Nick Morrow at, you know mid linebacker it's nothing yeah yeah I'm not really running home about about that I no, nah, that's not that's not that's not a good linebacker court. Like it might be fine. It's not. It's probably not going to sink the ship, but it's not going to win you games. So it's not going to make a tangible impact. I don't think anyway. Yeah, I'm worried how they're going to keep up. Yeah, we, well, I mean, we could be completely wrong about all of this. <laughs> Oftentimes we before. are. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I think to sort of supplement that defensive line of like because of the lack of like pure star power on it, like you would have liked to see, I don't know, more athletic You want a difference guys. maker at, at linebacker. I mean, and I guess like the reports been coming out that they've been trying to talk to the Bears about getting Cleo Mack back. Because, uh, it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. It was shut down pretty quickly. But um, I mean, it almost is like you've got a solid front get a difference maker, a linebacker, who's going to be able to benefit from those gaps and from the fact that, you know, they're not going to be able to get someone to the second level consistently to impact his play. You could just let him go out and fucking smash up yeah. the game. I think they run a 4-3 though. So like Khalil Mack would probably play defensive end. Uh, probably, yeah. Them. Probably. But yeah, it's it's nothing 
like I'm kind of worried a bit about how what their run defense is going to look like at the moment, mm-hmm. um, especially at that second level. Yeah, I mean, however, they do have Casey Howard, uh, Hayward, sorry, uh, corner. Yeah. He's he's a good starting corner. Indeed, no problem with him. They've got Trayvon Mullen on the other side, um, Damon Arnett as well on in the nickel, I believe. He was yeah, he was another high pick. Yes, uh, well, a few, few questions about that one. Uh, it would be nice to see Jonathan Abram as well. See if he's. It'd be nice to see Jonathan Abram not injured and not hurling himself around like a fucking missile. It's almost like like he plays in a way that's going to get him injured a lot. <laughs> yeah. Like honestly, like he could be. He looks like you know that guy is a classic, a classic fundamental like hard hitting safety, just like you used to see all the time. But it's also like, yeah, but he's just fucking running from one concussion to one ACL to one shoulder. Like, he's going to be a bag of meat with no bones in about a year's time from just repeatedly smashing himself into hard objects. Yeah. Well, luckily, they also picked up Tyree Gillespie in the draft alongside Trevor Morig. So, yeah, they went all without safety. Yeah. They got a lot of depth there. Um, how do you feel about floor ceiling? How are you feeling? So I was thinking about this before we got on call. I was thinking like I kind of have them paid as third place in this division. I think that they in front of the Broncos. I in see. In front of the Broncos, I'd say maybe seven and ten as a floor, and then ceiling maybe what is ten and seven seems lazy to go seven and ten and ten and seven. Maybe I mean things go fucking swimmingly, maybe eleven and six as a ceiling yeah. but I, I I would say I'd be a lot more surprised to see that than a 7 and 10 mm. I think they could be the worst in this division potentially really? I think it's it's a bit boom or bust though so I think the, the gap will be quite wide I think maybe a floor of um, you know 5 and 12 you know in the absolute worst case scenario nothing's clicking yeah. and that defence can't stop the run at all and then on the other side I could also see them going like 11 and six. I think you said the same, but yeah, I, I'll have to see it in action. That's what they, they kind of reflect their coach in that they are like, they're a bit of a batshit crazy team to try and work out what's going to, what's going to happen to like Gruden is very, very good at on the day adjustments and game planning, like, which is something you need, need like for all his personnel decisions. He is a very good game day. Coach, his decisions, to be fair, most of them are Mike Mayock who, Indeed. A whack fellow. Playing, playing fantasy GM in real life. Um, so you have to factor that in as well. Like Gruden is a good game day coach. He will get them into situations where they can, you know, be in games that you think on paper they have no right to be in, and they will be there and thereabouts. Like it, the Chiefs last season, for example, that that had no right to happen if you if you look at like how those teams match up. Um, but I think, yeah, they they just lack a clear direction on offense I feel in terms of game plan and what sort of offense they want to be Um, and I think they lack on defense top tier stars top tier difference makers they've got a lot of decent players I think they have they struggle especially in that defense I struggle to pick out someone and be like that guy is going to be fucking big for them yeah yeah agreed well ladies and gentlemen I think that's about all we've got time for this week 
we'll be back on Thursday on the live stream uh, where we'll be running down the NFC West, courtesy of Brit Bullin. Love it. Just a quick announcement before we wrap things up. The website at the moment is down indefinitely for some for some maintenance. Doing a bit of maintenance, cleaning it up. Should be back fairly soon, but we'll keep you up to date with that. Other than the website, you can catch us on our socials. That's Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Dropback. I've been your host, Joe. And I've been Matt. Until next time. Peace. Peace. See you later. Hasta luego. The Dropback with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns-Peak, Joe Costanzo, and Sam Wilson. in Spanish.